Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. So tonight, we want to get our big idea down first, okay? What's our big idea for tonight? Here's our big idea. Knowing Jesus as your Savior leads to moral change. All right, now, that shouldn't be a big shock to you, okay? However, for someone like me, that I do get a little bit excited about using big words that I find in the Bible sometimes, when I start hearing the word morality... It takes me back to when I was a kid sitting in church, and even though I was probably just misunderstanding, all I heard was, be a good person, right? Um, But here's the big difference, right? Here's the big difference. Knowing Jesus as your Savior leads to moral change, specifically a special kind of love, Christian love, that is Christ-like love. But here's the big idea. But your morals do not lead you to Jesus. Okay? Jesus leads us to our morals. Our morals don't lead us to Jesus. That is to say that it doesn't matter how good we act, that does not get us closer to Jesus. Jesus gets us closer to the way that we need to act. So anytime that we're talking about morals or ethics in the Bible, this is what we're talking about. Jesus driving us closer to where we need to be, all right? And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So turn in your Bibles with me if you're not already there. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting verse 22. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, now here's a command, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Okay, now we've seen three commands thus far. I don't expect you to know what they are, okay? I don't even know what they are without looking at them, okay? But I expect you to know after today. And here's our three commands. The first one is to set our hope. What are we setting our hope on? The grace that has been given to us and will be given to us in the future, in the new heavens and the new earth. We are to set all of our hope on that grace that has been provided for us. The second command that we see is to be holy, right? And Peter quoted a passage from the Old Testament, you shall be holy for I am holy. But more specifically, the command was to be holy in all of your conduct, everything that you do in verse 15. Be holy in everything that you do. And then our third command that we see so far in 1 Peter is to love, to love with a brotherly love, a Christian affection, if you will. But let's dig into this verse 22 just a little bit. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. We did it. No, we didn't do it, right? Let's think about the context again. All of chapter 1 has been about everything that God has been doing for us. So how is it that our souls have been made clean 
free from sin? How have our souls been made pure? Um, By obedience to a specific kind of truth, Peter says. What is this truth? This truth is the gospel. The fact that um, we heard the gospel, believed the gospel, we have been made pure by believing in the gospel that's been given to us. That is the life, birth, uh, the birth, life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and his coming again. Okay? By believing in that, our souls have been made pure. For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And this brings up something that we already know, and we've studied it before, okay? But in order to show love, a Christian kind of love, what does it take? It takes people around you. Okay, now this is a very simple thing, okay? But this very simple thing of Peter telling us to show love towards one another tells us that we need to know one another, that we need to be around one another, showing love to one another. Um, If I were to say it in the most simple way, would would be to this. To be faithful to this command to love, we can't be outside of the church. We can't be outside of the church. Can we be a believer and not go to church? You can be. But from verse 22 here, what it sounds like is without going to church, you're not explicitly following a command that God has for you as a Christian. So we have to be around one another, actually loving one another. And we talk about this all the time, right? We talk about this when we go to the Lord's Supper, right? And we say something similar to this almost every time. Uh, if you have to go and talk to a brother and sister of Christ because there's something between you, please go and do that. How would there be anything between you or a brother and sister in Christ? Spending time with one another, right? <laughs> if I don't see Tara all day long, we never have an argument, <laughs> right? We also never get to show love to one another. So without being close to one another... We have nothing to forgive each other for, and we have no way of showing love to one another. Right? And this is the thrust here of verse 22 and what Peter is saying. But let's move on to verse 23 here. Since you have been born again, all right, now here's that reminder that we've been seeing all throughout chapter 1. Who is Peter writing to? He is writing to Christians. Now, largely Gentile Christians, non-Jewish Christians, However, there are Jewish Christians here as well. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. All right. Here's two reasons that Peter is giving you to love. Okay, other than he's commanding us to. Okay? Uh, He's saying you should be loving one another for reason number one, To be obedient. In order for you to be obedient to the God who made you, who saved you through his son, who gave you his Holy Spirit, you must be obedient. 
And we talked about this a lot last week, right? Peter encourages us to be obedient like children to the Father. But as we've seen again throughout this entire first chapter, it's not just to be obedient, but we need to be loving one another. Why? Because it is our identity. It is who Jesus made us to be. And we see that at the very beginning of verse 23. Since you have been born again, Christian, you are a brand new person with a brand new identity. And we talked a lot last week about going back to our old ways, right? Um, And Peter had in mind, as always we see in the New Testament, two very different groups of people here. People that were not even close to desiring to worship God and people that were desiring to worship God through being obedient to a set of rules. They thought that they themselves could get themselves closer to God. And then everyone else thought that they could just declare whatever they wanted to be their God so that they could worship it. And the language that Peter uses is going back to the ways of our ancestors. And that's exactly what he encourages us not to do. Why? Because we have been born again and something different is expected of us. So let's put those two ideas together now. The fact that we can't be loving without being around people to love and the fact that we are to love because it is a matter of obedience and because it is a matter of our identity. These Two things, your identity and your obedience, are not just for you, right? I could sit at home, and I could read my Bible, and I could show up to a service once a week, um, and I could look at my life and say, you know what? I think that I'm being obedient. I could turn on the Christian radio in the car, and I could listen to the songs and sing along, and now I'm being obedient, But God is encouraging us through Peter here that that is not what your obedience looks like. Your obedience is with other people and your identity is with other people. Namely, Christians, the church. Okay? All right. Go on to verse 24. And we've read this twice now, okay? We're going to read it again. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word that remains forever is the good news that was preached to you. Okay, now there's something very interesting going on here, especially there at the end. Uh... Peter is saying that the word of the Lord remains forever. We see that in Isaiah. We see it in James's letter to the church as well. Um, but here, Peter seems to be talking about the word in a much different way. Uh, it's not just the written word. I don't even know where my Bible's at. There it is. It's not just this written word that we have in front of us. But it's the written word that was preached to the believers in these churches here, and specifically then, the word about who Jesus is. 
Now, if we were to go through our, our Old Testament here, uh, we would see lots of things that we look out now, we look at now and we say, oh, I, see, I can see where Jesus is going to come into this story. But here in the Old Testament, uh, people weren't thinking like that, right? And so it's not just Old Testament words that Peter has in mind here, but it's the words that he is writing to the churches. It's the word that Paul has written to these same churches. It's the word that he has preached and that the other apostles have preached, literally saying that the words that we're giving to you have come directly from God. And these words will never fade away. All right. But it's also not just the words that are never going to fade away. If we were to jump back to verse 23, we see uh, these two words that Peter keeps going back to. Perishable and imperishable. That is something that can go away and something that can never go away. All right? And this is the third time in 23 verses that Peter has used this language. All right? So let's look at the other times that he has used this language real quick. In verse 4 of chapter 1, Peter talks about our inheritance. That is, what we have received from Jesus never going away. What Jesus has done, his work, and everything that it has done for your lives to make you born again, and the fact that you have a future to set your hope in, that's never going away, Peter says. And then in verses 18 and 19, Peter says, Knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And so Jesus' blood is never going to wash away from us. Which sounds kind of gross, but it's a very good thing. Because that is what makes us holy, and it's what makes us whole. So that is never going away. And then here we see this living and abiding word of God. So abiding is something that sticks around. Living is something that, uh, (laughs) it breathes life into you, okay? So it's sticking around, it's breathing life into you, and what? It's never going away. It's imperishable. It's never going away. And that's why Peter uses this verse, these verses here to say that, look, uh, there is a seed um, that goes away. Grass seeds blow away. Uh, the seed that makes humans, that can go away. But there's a specific kind of seed that never goes away, and that is God's word, and that is the good news that has been preached to you. Um. And we're going to probably touch on that again in just a little bit. But really, if we want to boil that verse down to two big ideas, we could say that, look, there is permanence in what God has done. It's going to stick around forever. Everything else, though, it's just going to blow away in the wind. Uh, Specifically, in using this passage, James quotes it and talks about wealth. He says, everything you have in your life, it's gone. It's going to blow away. But the good news, that's going to stick around forever. 
Moving on to chapter 2 then. So, right? (laughs) Okay. So verses 22 through 25 here were kind of like an interruption to thought. All right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn back a page, and I'm going to read just a couple of things. Uh, Starting verse 20. Uh, Yeah, starting in verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave glory to him, so that your faith and hope are in God. And then Peter interrupts himself, having purified your souls, but we're going to skip down. So, put away all malice and all deceit, and all hypocrisy, and envy, and slander, and a couple things that we need to make mention of here, all right? Uh, We have been called to be holy because God is holy. Jesus makes us holy, right? Uh, Okay, This this just keeps twisting my brain, and it keeps twisting my heart, because this is the kind of language that Peter's using. You're already holy, now be holy. Uh, you're already living the life that you're expected to live. Now live the life that you're expected to live. Okay? Uh, it's very confusing language that, that Peter uses. Um, kind of. It's also very simple language. And we all know this, right? Uh, the reality is that we do sin every day. Even though we have been made pure. We keep sinning. And we keep having to going, keep on having to go back to God and asking for forgiveness. Um, and here again, Peter has just said, you have purified your soul by obedience. You have been born again. Now stop sinning. <laughs> right? But you weren't expected to stop sinning in order to be born again. That's the big idea there. All right. So put away, and here's, here's five things that Peter's listing for us that go against Christian love. They go directly against Christian love. Hate or malice, lies or falseness, it says here deceit, uh, two-facedness, that is acting one way and then doing something else, right? Speaking one way and then doing the opposite of what you say, hypocrisy. Envy or jealousy. And slander, that is lies that actually directly hurt other people. Obviously, our lies and falseness always hurt us, and they will always eventually hurt someone else, but slander is more specific, right? It's lies that hurt someone directly. A stabbing in the back, if you will. So put away all of that, Peter says. And do something else. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Okay. (laughs) Like newborn infants. Okay, we've already been told to be obedient children. Now we're we're being told to get even younger than that. All right? Who, Who likes that idea? I like that idea, okay? Uh, You're told to be even younger than that. Uh, You don't just have to be obedient children now. You've got to go back even further, and you have to have something else put into you. And Peter uses the words 
pure spiritual milk. Okay. Um, I don't have to explain that, right? I think everyone gets what's going on here. We're talking about babies, okay? <laughs> but babies need milk to grow, right? Uh, there's something that you need to grow. There's something that you need to grow. And we could go back up to verse 23, 24 here, and 25, and we say, what is it that we need to grow? What is this pure spiritual milk? This is God's word. You need it to grow. Without God's word, you're going to be like a baby that has no milk from its mother. We were just talking to someone this past week that was visiting the hospital, and a baby was brought in who was eight months old, but was only the size of a two-month-old, and had not been getting nutrition for months and months and months. What happens to that baby if it hadn't been brought to the hospital? That baby dies, right? That baby needs milk. It needs sustenance. It needs nutrition. It needs to be fed. And Peter says that's exactly what you need. You need to be fed. That by it you may grow up into salvation. And then verse 3 is going to, or yeah, verse 3 of chapter 2 is going to throw us for a loop. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right, so here we've got Peter talking about milk and tasting, and what is going on here? What is going on? Uh, this language, just as we saw in Psalm 34, uh, this tasting is talking about experience. Okay? So many people have different ideas about ways that they can experience the Lord. On the internet nowadays, you see lots of people who are going for a hike and they will say, Going to church today, and there's a picture of the mountain, right? Or they're going to their favorite hamburger restaurant and they say, Going to church with the family today. Uh, Look, that's all very experiential, and I've tasted some burgers that feel very spiritual sometimes, okay? (laughs) And the reality is that all of those things should be spiritual. What do I mean by that? It means that the Holy Spirit should be filling us while we're hiking a mountain, keeping us captivated by the beauty of the mountain, tasting and seeing how good the Lord is for creating something so beautiful. When we taste that hamburger, that's probably going to kill us, right? It's delicious. Uh, We should be filled with the Holy Spirit, thinking about the fact that God has given me not just food, but really delicious food to eat right now. I'm thankful to the Lord for that. In a way, those are spiritual acts, but is it church? No, it's not church, right? So what are we talking about when we're talking about experiencing here? Um, This pure spiritual milk, this imperishable seed, the word of God, I know this is going to sound really boring, okay? But it's simply learning something. It's taking in information. Wow, that's boring. Is that really how we experience God? Look, there's no other way to know who God is what he has done for you and how he desires you to live other than 
his word. Second to that, and we talk about this all the time, what's the the second best way to experience God, as it were? It should be being in church, where the word is preached, where the word is read, where the word is prayed and sung and pictured in the Lord's Supper and in baptism. So if we're going to grow up into salvation, if we indeed have experienced the Lord, you know what? We need to keep being fed that pure spiritual milk. We need to keep being fed that information, right? And that's a really bland way of saying it. The very words of God. There in verse 2, though, we do see this, that God's word is leading to two different things specifically in this verse. The first of which is new birth. Okay, let's go back up to verse 23. Since you have been born again. What's, what's Peter saying? Since you have been born again, act like babies. Okay, act like a baby and drink the milk. You need it. You're going to die without it. Okay, the word leads to new birth. And you could quibble with me and you could say, but Wade, um, I'm pretty sure that Jesus leads to new birth and anyone that accepts Jesus, that's true. That is true. But how are people going to be saved? They're going to be saved by the hearing of that good news, by the hearing of the word. Okay? All right. The second thing that... This, this new birth, or rather God's word should be leading to, is nourishment, right? Being fed. That's why we say, uh, well, that's why Pastor Tom all the time says we need to be fed by the word. We need to be little babies who are accepting the milk. We need to be fed. Thinking about verse 3, too, um, I love, you know, I love food analogies, right? Uh, or just anytime the Bible talks about food because it gives me an excuse to talk about food. But if indeed, in verse 3 of chapter 2, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, here we have a seed, which I think seed, I think bread, right? <laughs> uh, and we're reading about this milk too. Uh, I love the picture of nourishment that we get of God's word here in these couple of verses. So these are hard things um, because I'll admit, even as your pastor, there are some Sundays where uh, I've sat at home all morning or walked or done something fun and I just think to myself, you know what? I just want to keep doing something fun. I'd rather not go to church today. But I'm preaching, so I have to be here, right? Okay, I'm being kind of funny. I want to be here. But that goes through my mind sometimes, right? I'm nervous about preaching the message. I'm whatever, Saturday night, I'm up, and I'm thinking to myself, no, that point makes no sense. I don't know how to preach that verse. Growing up into our salvation, what do I say about this? Um, But look, we'll just say this. From this passage... I think we see that without the church, we cannot be faithful. And without God's word, we will not know him and we will not experience him. We will not know him and we will not experience him. So, 
Here's a question for you. And here's a question for you to take home, okay? You can just tuck this one in your pocket and take it home. Um, How do you expect to experience God this week? Um, Do you expect to experience him in a hamburger? Do you expect to experience him on the mountain or uh, sitting around with friends? All of those things can be spiritual acts, right? (laughs) But they're not what we have been called to for obedience. So this week, think on that. Think about how it is that you expect to experience God in your everyday life. Are you doing it through the word? Are you trying to find him through some other way? Next week, we're going to be digging in to chapter 2, and um, whether it's an issue of comfort uh, or not, we're going to be stepping back away from holiness for a minute, and we're going to be looking at Jesus again, because as we've said from the very beginning, Peter does this really well, right? He drives home Jesus. Uh, He's always bringing everything that he says right back to the cross, right back to Jesus' work on the cross. And um, so next week we'll be starting chapter 2, verse 4. But before we go there, let's be reminded, what were we talking about today? Here's our big idea. Knowing Jesus as your Savior leads to moral change. Specifically, it's going to lead to Christian love. Now, one of the things we said at the beginning of this series is that you should expect every time that we come together and we're studying the word for your heart to be changed. Is Christian love a part of your life? Or is your life filled with hate and lies and two-facedness and jealousy and slander? Knowing Jesus as your Savior leads to moral change. But your morals do not lead you to Jesus. I cannot emphasize enough that we cannot get these two things confused. We cannot get these two things confused, and we cannot mix them around. Let's pray, okay? Father God, we love you. We thank you for this time together tonight where we could study your word. God, I pray that it has been uh, honoring to you. Lord, I ask that in areas that I have um, not treated your word with the depth in which it needs to be treated, that you will be uh, provoking our hearts to go back um, to intake this pure spiritual milk, Lord, to grow up into our salvation that you have given to us. Um, so that we can better know uh, who you are, better know what that salvation actually means, better know where to fix our hope for the future, so that we can better know the sacrifice that was Jesus' death on the cross, 
so that we can better know the sacrifice that was his blood spilling over us, giving us his righteousness and him taking on our sin. God, I pray for each and every one of us that as we go to your word this week, that we will be reminded that these are your very words. God, if we desire to be spoken to by you, to know how we should live, to know um, what it is that we're supposed to be, what this new identity of being a Christian, being born again, being saved means, we are only going to know that through your word. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will enliven our hearts and enliven our minds to open our eyes widely, to see your word new, to make it penetrate our hearts, that we might hide it in our hearts, that we would know your word, that we would be ready and willing to share it with those that need to hear it. God, I pray that you will be pushing each and every one of us towards love. Uh, Lord, in areas that um, we're not experiencing love or we're not showing it, God, we need to ask why that is. And maybe it is simply because we're not taking the time to love others or we're not taking the time to be loved ourselves. God, convict us of that. Lord, for all of this, we will thank you. We thank you for uh, bringing us to obedience. And I pray for each and every one of us that you will continually bring us closer and more into the likeness of your son, Jesus. Make us more obedient, God. I pray that through that, people will see a change, not just in our lives, but see a change uh, in us as a church body. God, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he died so that we don't have to. Thank you that you raised him back to life so that we know we can live. And it's in his name that we pray all of these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.